he would say things like, I love your brother more than you because he's a boy. That would just break my little heart because, you know, to me, my father was, was the son. And I definitely didn't feel whole. I felt like the parts in me were at war. Welcome to Stories That Connect Us, a podcast for storytellers and story lovers alike. I'm your host, Nikki. Stories That Connect Us seeks to unite people through the power of storytelling, providing a platform for everyday people to share their stories. Why? Because everyone has a story. Our stories matter. Sit back, grab a drink and get ready to listen, learn and be inspired. Episode 9. We're back with another story. Today I'll be in conversation with Maria Telekiozoglu. Maria is a relationship coach on a mission to share the gift of a daughter. She helps men build strong and healing relationships with themselves and others. During this episode, we'll discuss Maria's journey, one that she's still on, a journey to love herself, her whole self, and in turn love others in her life. Let's go ahead and meet Maria. Hey Maria, super excited to have you on Stories That Connect Us. Hi, Nikki. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. So first things first, how are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, 9 a.m. here, uh, a little bit overcast. So it's a lovely day to have a, have a chat with you. How are you? I am doing well. It's 3 p.m. in the afternoon now, or just after 3. So it is the opposite end of the day. So um, definitely a good time to be having a conversation with you. So your story is all about learning to love yourself and others better. So big topic. I know that we are heavily influenced by our primary caretakers. And for you, you were influenced by your father. So I'd love you to tell me your story from where it begins. I guess I'll start by saying that um, I grew up in a bilingual family. I'm the second oldest. I have an older brother of five siblings. And I grew up in Greece with a Greek father and an American mother. And for me, the, pr- the primary caretaker that I sought more love from and didn't get as much as I wanted as a small child, for me, it was definitely my father. When I was really young, like two, three, three years old, um, my father used to like to, he's a huge jokester and he would like to tease me you know, make me kind of like upset and then say, no, 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 it's not that, you know, and console me. And that was kind of a game, uh, a very immature game, but still uh, it was meant that way. But as my three-year-old self, he would say things like, I love your brother more than you because he's a boy, you know, and then I would cry. And then he would say, no, it's not true. And, you know, he would laugh at me for being sad and for believing that for my three year old self, um, you know, that would that would just break my little heart because, you know, to me, my father was was the sun, you know, and like the literal sun, sun in the sky. And I think that that's true for most really small children when it comes to their parents. So it sounds like you had to live into the narrative that being a boy was better than being a girl. I mean, that sounds like that would be quite hard to accept. How did that make you feel? I would say that to stick with um, just those moments 
where I was uh, shocked that I wasn't loved as much, you know, that triggered me making up the story that being, being a boy must obviously be better than being a girl. You know, and this is like growing up in the, the early 90s. I continued to live into that story. And then I heard this really helpful set of questions a while back that I'd love to share with, with the listeners because it really helped me understand something. So the first, the first question, I don't know where to give credit to this, but I'm sure I heard it, I heard it somewhere. The first question is, uh, whose love did you seek most? you know, of your primary caretakers. And for me, it was obviously my father. Um, and then the second question was, who did you have to be to get some crumbs of approval or affection? And for me, in my head anyway, I had to be very helpful, very practical, like very um, low, low maintenance and and in my head, I translated as I had to be like a boy. There's a third question that that is, is, what did you have to give up in order to live into that role? I had to, or I thought that I had to live into more of my my um, masculine qualities, if you will, if that language is correct, than my feminine qualities. So what did you give up then? What are the things that you gave up in order to live into that? I... I didn't give up, but I definitely stuffed them down. Uh, but my my emotions, I kind of like tried to turn them off. You know, um, like being told I was too sensitive made me want to show that I wasn't too sensitive. So I kind of um, had this stoic, like nothing bothers me kind of appearance. And that that is hard to do. It's hard to turn off our emotions. They are not a tap that we can just switch yeah. them on and off. Um, so what qualities did you value then? What were the things that you really tried to dial up? I guess I, I valued and cultivated more, more traditionally masculine ways of being and doing. So things like structure and discipline and logic, linear thinking, responsibility, toughness, you know, getting things done. All these qualities became top qualities, I should say, in my in my worldview. Do you think this experience you had as a childhood, these jokes that you said that your father played, do you think that they influenced the choices that you made in life, the interest and the decisions that you took? They definitely did. So one of the big decisions a, a younger person needs to make if they're going to pursue further studies is you, uh, what is what field they're going to study. And for me, instead of exploring what it was that I was most interested in and allowing for that, instead, I, I, I had this, this mindset of, I need to study either engineering or science because everything else is worthless. You know? And that was not something that somebody directly told me. And you know, my father definitely didn't say any of these things. I guess I can understand mm -hmm. that, Maria, because you were told very early on that one thing was better than the other and that being like a boy or being like your brother is better than being who you actually are. So it stands to reason that you might think that it's very binary, either yes, no, right, wrong. So what did you choose to study in the end? I chose to study biological science. So still, there was a there was a part of me that really loved nature with 
which in my head was more um, is more feminine or that's just the language I'm comfortable with. I understand if other people aren't, but um, I just, I just smile when I say that because even in the, the realm of like, you're either going to study engineering or science. I picked the science that was most that, you know, like that I was most drawn to. That makes sense. I mean, I guess all of that stems from how you were made to feel as a younger child. So, you know, you, you made the decision to study, um, biological sciences um and i know that you eventually moved from greece to the us what was your what was your mission there really and and why did you make that make that choice yeah so i lived in greece until i was about 19 and i grew up in kind of um, a chaotic environment you know where stability was was not a thing um and so I was on a mission to find stability. So that was that was why I moved to the U.S. because I wanted to stand on my own two feet and just you know find stability. I don't know how else to put that. And I had U.S. citizenship, an opportunity to live with some relatives for the first year, and I just took it. And um, instead of being creative and open to all possibilities, I was very narrow narrow-minded looking back. Um, because I was all about, I'm going to work really, really hard. I'm going to stay out of debt and I'm going to get an education and it's going to be in, in science or engineering because everything else is worthless in quotation marks. Obviously I don't feel like that anymore. It made a lot of sense. It was very logical, but it was very, um, limiting in the end. I can definitely see that. And how long, just going back a little bit, going back to those Mm -hmm days when you were very young and and you were having to hear those jokes you were having to feel sad but then try and dampen down that sadness how did that go on for quite a long time in your childhood like the thing the thing that I described that happened when I was really young like a toddler it didn't go on it didn't go on all my life in that kind of direct way so that's why I say that it was a narrative that I lived into it was a story that I attached myself true to um but definitely Growing up, there were there were clues. So I would see, you know, um, boys being treated differently than girls. And even though everything you see is true, there's more out there than just those elements of the story. So when we have an idea in our head about what the truth is, we often mm-hmm. look for clues that match that truth. As I reflect back, I see very clearly that you know, a part of me knew, uh, instinctively knew that, you know, me being me was fine. And so there, there was a part of me that was really angry and hurt at, at the inequity that I saw and all the clues that I picked up that supported the narrative. You know, they would, it would hurt me. You know, if it was true, it was really heartbreaking and hard. But because a part of me knew that it wasn't true, I was actually very angry. So I would find myself oscillating between like anger and sadness uh, all the time. So between uh, a, a very judgy voice in my head to a very victimized voice in my head. And these two would do a little, you know, unfun dance. And I say all this, um, you know, in hindsight, you know, but 
But looking back, I don't think anybody would be able to tell so much that all these things were going on with me because I was a very quiet person that that tried to please. So it, it was it was very internal, this whole thing, but it would spill over into um, my relationships and, you know, how I related to men in general, you know, because I related to them as if I was less than, but also I was angry because I wasn't less than. I think that dichotomy or that sort of, as you say, that merry dance between judge and victim and, and anger and, and almost defiance as if to say, no, I know who I am and I want to be my whole self. And that brings me on to a phrase I know that you've used before is this talk about whole self. So can you explain what you mean by that? What is whole self thinking and, and did you feel whole? Well, again, I'm going to go to those, those, those terms, the feminine and masculine. And I think it's when those two are working in harmony, you know, within yourself, that you're a whole self, that you're honoring your whole self. And I definitely didn't feel whole. I felt like the parts in me were at war. A really clear analogy in my mind around this war, this battle almost between between those those aspects of yourself one that you felt was okay to to show up and the other that you felt needed to be hidden so you didn't feel Mm -hmm. whole and you started to touch on the fact that your relationship and the way in which you interacted with with men can you say a little bit more about that what what was your relationship at that point with with the men in your life I think I was just very angry so, so as a child, you know, if I had uh, friends that were boys or my cousins or my brothers, I would, I would feel like this competitiveness with them or this, this, you know, life is unfair um, kind of feeling that would make me angry. Moving on into adulthood, you know, I clearly saw it in my romantic relationship, you know, with a person that I loved and, you know, I knew there was care there but but there would be a lot of friction and in hindsight I see that friction as me projecting that narrative onto the relationship sometimes when when you're not aware of these things you you know you'll you'll fight about one thing or have an argument about one thing but the underlying reason is really something else (laughs) you know because I I really think that many of, of us if not all of us have this like internal battle within us you know with the feminine and masculine qualities I think for you you said that that those relationships that you had into adulthood perhaps you were projecting part of that narrative but I know that things haven't continued to be that way from our conversations and what happened to make your relationships with people with with men in your life change like who did you meet who did you spend time with I I think it was a process that took time a pivotal a pivotal mentor I would say in my life was another another man that that is definitely a second father to me a father figure Um, and he was a, a relative you know around my father's age maybe a little bit older that I lived with I lived with him and his wife um for the first um years in the U.S. And I got to spend a lot of quality time with both of them, but I'll focus on on this this father figure. 
what he did really in hindsight, and we were speaking about wholeness, is that he, he, he truly honored me as a whole person. He, he spent so much time with me. He, he was into um, cars and he had a garage. So when I got my first car and I was trying to be very frugal and repair my car and do everything by myself and save money, he would just let me pull the car into the garage and he wouldn't do things for me, even though it would take so much less time and effort if he just did things for me. He would, he would actually teach me how to do things for myself. And when I look back, I have to laugh because a lot of the time I was just busy trying to prove myself to him, trying to prove to him that, you know, like I was just as good as any, any boy or man, even though there was no reason for that. You know, it was just, it was just me projecting again, you know, this belief, this narrative that, you know, other people must think I'm lower because I'm a girl when really it was me all along, you know, thinking these things. He would just really encourage and support me in everything I was doing in practical matters, you know, on projects and things like that, you know, more, if you will, masculine occupations. But then he would also be truly curious about my worldview, my thoughts, my opinions, my hopes and dreams. Um, you know, we would have a lot of conversations over, over coffee in the garage, you know, talking about life. And he really wanted to get to know me and how I thought and how I felt. And that was something that was really, that I really missed in my early um, years as a child. You know, I was seen and I was heard. I'm super, super grateful um, because, because that, did, that did shift something in me. I can see that. I mean, being seen, being heard is really what we all want because we all are individuals in our own right. And being seen and heard by those people who we care about, those people who are important to us, that matters. So when you were able to lean into your whole self, who did it allow you to become? Gave me permission to give myself some compassion. And when I say compassion, I mean taking an honest look at what happened to me, you know, when I was young. Because I, I went through a, many years where I was like pushing down emotions, like I said. So, so anytime I would start to feel sorry for myself or feel hurt or feel like a bubbling of emotion, anything that made me feel that way, I would quickly come in and mash that out of me. Like, what are you doing feeling sorry for yourself? Like, get it together, you know, like, do you see what other people go through in their life and they're fine? You know, it was that kind of harsh, harsh voice that didn't, didn't allow, you know, was disgusted by the, 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 the potential of me becoming a victim. So felt like it felt like it really had to, you know, squash that out of me. Like, don't feel sorry for yourself, brush it off, move on. Don't show any softness. So you were able to find some compassion for yourself and, start to feel into those emotions that you were squashing or sort of shoving yeah and that that really allowed me to work through them I I don't want to stay in victim mentality and I don't think anybody does but you know it's not about being a victim it's about being honestly compassionate with yourself and hearing yourself and then encouraging you you to you know choose a path and move along and in that way you're actually taking responsibility for for your life. Something else I'd like to add that I think is really important is that because I was able to to find this 
more more compassionate approach towards myself, I was able, I'm more able now to extend it to other people, men, women, everybody, you know, in, in an authentic way, because I, I can do it for myself. So I can, I can share it outwardly. That's what, what's really um, shifted in my relationship with, with, with all other people. And I'm not trying to say that I've arrived and everything is fine and I never slip back into the narrative, but I, I do feel growth and progression and understanding. And I feel more loved and I feel more loving. Because there is a difference there, isn't it, as well? It, there is a distinction between feeling more love and feeling loving. Yeah, it's, I, I think that that's a, it's a subtle difference, but I think there is a distinction. Yeah, and the way I see it is that I, I'm beginning to see past my own pain bubble, my own defense mechanisms, my own narratives. You know, there's more than that. Those, those are there and I honor them and thank them for carrying me this far. You know, I don't, I don't judge them or make them wrong, but I, I realize that, you know, it's, it's a bubble and there's more, you know, outside the bubble. So I began seeing past my own <laughs> pain bubble and bringing others more into fo- into true focus. So I'm more enjoying good relationships and feeling connected, like I said, and loving and, and actually more confident than before because I'm honoring, I'm honoring all of me. I'm not pretending as much as I used to. And I, I'm still on a journey here, so um, we'll see what the next years, decades uh, bring. It has been a truly wonderful experience to kind of give you the platform to share your story. Is there anything final that you wanted to say about your story that you haven't had a chance to uh, through our conversation so far? I think I just like to drive home the the point, the lesson that I've learned about how how I'm I'm not I don't need to be defined by the thing that hurt me. You know, that, it, that it's my, my choice, my responsibility once I'm aware and once I've held myself compassionately for, you know, the pain that I, that, that I experience, it's my responsibility, like how I want to move forward. And I find that very empowering and hope inducing. Um, so I just want to share that and end on that note. You know, if you find self-compassion for yourself, then, then you can marry that with discipline and the two can coexist harmoniously together and move you forward in life. Oh, thank you so much for sharing those final thoughts. It has been so interesting to hear your journey and to hear your reflection and your analysis on how you've arrived at where you are today. Where can people connect with you online, Maria? So my website is um, thegiftofadaughter.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, I, I believe you'll, you'll probably link my profile. I will absolutely do both of those, both your website and your LinkedIn profile. So those will be added to the show notes. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you so much for, for having me and allowing me a place to, to share my story. I appreciate you joining me for another episode. Hope you enjoyed Maria's story. My key takeaway from today was... There's some serious power in narratives, the stories we tell ourselves, 
many of which are pretty unhelpful and untrue. What we hear in early childhood can impact how we see ourselves and the stories that live on in our minds, impacting our thoughts and actions. But it doesn't have to be this way. We can flip the script. We can write a new story. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please share it with a friend and rate the show on your podcast platform. See you on the next one. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your day to join me for Stories That Connect Us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you listened, learned and felt inspired. Stay safe, stay connected. Until next time.